friends, it's Shauna, your nerdy girlfriend and life coach from simpleonpurpose.ca. Welcome to the podcast, where I aim to keep all of the episodes 20 minutes or less so that we can squeeze in these virtual coffee dates where I talk to you about the concepts that you can apply to your life and make it more simple on purpose. In all I share and all I coach on, my aim is to help you live with more peace, purpose, and presence and passion. Let's look for ways to get passionate and enjoy our lives. Here's something fun that happened this week. This week, I ranked 70 on Apple Canada self-improvement podcasts. And really, this is thanks to you guys. So thank you for being a listener. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And especially thank you for leaving reviews. Those are so appreciated. If you are a listener and you haven't left a review yet, I really encourage you to do that. And I really do read them and love to hear what you guys have to say so that I can use that information to just keep refining this podcast into something that's going to serve you again and again. So today I want to talk about the topic of identity clutter, which is a term I've talked about in the past, but not really given a full episode to. So identity clutter are those things in our home that are four things. I'm going to lay them out here. Who we used to be, so kind of a past self. Who we wish we could be, so an aspirational self. Who others think we should be, and I call that a socially compliant self. And who we think we are, but we aren't sure. We're just trying out this trend, and I call that like a test self. (laughs) And as I was decluttering, I could see all of these versions of me that I was trying to be, all of this identity clutter. There were the cross-country skis that I really wanted, but then I tried it and I never enjoyed it. There were the special flowers that I had for baking, but I actually don't enjoy baking. I just wanted to have the end product (laughs) without doing the work. And now I'm actually gluten-free, so that isn't even a hobby that I consider anymore. And there was decor and knickknacks of all this mishmash of styles because I wasn't really sure of what I really liked. I was really just looking at all the latest trends and trying the safest ones and just trying to be an adult, really. And it just felt like a mishmash, especially when I consider how trends come into play with a lot of the purchasing decisions I made. I feel like trends cause a lot of identity clutter. And it really makes sense that we turn to trends for the things we bring into our homes and our lives, because we are really driven with this inner need to fit in, fit in with the tribe, conform to the social norm. We we desire to be part of the crowd. That's their safety in numbers. And it's very primal in us. It's not just this phenomenon that happens in high school. And a part of us is also looking to others to learn what's socially acceptable. Like, let's say you're at a fancy restaurant and you see someone cut the kernels off their cob of corn and you're like, yep, that's what totally was going to do that. Totally was going to cut it all fancy. Totally was not going to just pick it up with my bare hands and eat it like a squirrel. So we're looking to others to kind of inform us on what's socially acceptable. And we also want to appear up with the times. It's a sad fact that what we wear, what we own, it does present an image about us. We are saying something about who we are and what we want to tell people is that we're relevant. And even if you can kind of take it back to some historical roots, it showed your class or your caste, your status, your place in the world to an extent. And now we can simply follow trends to put us in this certain class of people. So we're just trying to say something about ourselves in a way feels good to fit in. And I think maybe we don't actually really truly know who we are. I say that we have to simplify in order to know who we are and we have to know who we are in order to simplify. So it is this parallel process of these two things merging together. 
because when we're just moving from trend to trend, we don't really take the time to get to know ourselves and know what we really like beyond the trend, what outlasts the trends. And I think about this a lot with the clothes in my closet because I can easily get sucked into, oh, it's the latest trends, but I have to always ask myself, but what do I really like? Like, what would I want to wear year after year after year that I would feel great in and like in my closet? And that goes with our homes too, right guys? So we do live in this era where we can be a little bit of everything instead of all in on what we are. But I think this is a cool thing. I think it's cool to try everything and just try things on and see what you like. But I noticed it was a problem in my life when I just kept accumulating the possibilities and never took action. Like I could make beeswax candles and do acrylic painting and read a book about backyard chickens and crochet and do embroidery. And all of these things just became identity clutter in my basement. They also caused me a lot of decision fatigue because there were just too many options for who I should be, how I should spend my time, and it all felt overwhelming when I couldn't really quite understand it. So I think it's really important to address the identity clutter in our homes. I think it causes a couple of big burdens for us. And the first one is obvious. It takes up physical space, right? The more space we spend storing things, the less space we have for actually living life, like living a life that we want to have. If you have a guest room full of scrapbooking supplies, you don't have a guest room, you have a storage room, right? So if a guest comes over, you don't have room for them. And I don't say this to tough talk you or shame you. I say it because I've been there, first of all. And also because when I realized this hard truth, it helped me to decide what I wanted. And maybe you'll decide you want a storage room. It's always your choice. Maybe you'll decide you want a room for scrapbooking, or maybe you want a room to store bikes. The point is, you should intentionally, purposefully decide how you want to use your space. Another burden of identity clutter, and I think it's the more deeper, insidious one, is that emotional burden. When we go into our closet and we see those clothes that we aren't wearing, what do we feel? There's a, there's a mixture depending on what that item symbolizes, right? Maybe we feel shame. Maybe we feel a sense of loss. Maybe we feel guilt that we spent it, money on it, and we never have worn it. When we're rummaging through our basement and we come across a box of family dishes that we were given, but we don't really like them, what are we feeling? We're feeling guilty. We're not honoring these dishes. When our spouse mentions that bike that we have in the carport that we never use, well, First of all, we feel defensive, but then we're also frustrated with ourselves, right? Why do I have this? And I don't even use it. I, I should use it. I should make a plan to use it. And I think this is just causing a low level tension and stress that we have when we're surrounded by these constant reminders that we aren't being that person we think we should be or reminding us of a version of ourselves that's hard to let go of. So I want to get into the types of identity clutter and why they're hard to let go of. As I was decluttering my home, I noticed that I would do it in waves. So I did that first wave through the majority of the house and it was uh, labor intensive. It was a bit emotionally taxing. I'd never done it before, but many of the decisions in that first wave were pretty easy to make because I was separating out those hard nose, I don't want it. And as I kept going through back to these same spaces over and over again, 
I could refine it down. I could say, okay, now what? Like I want to separate now from bad and good. And now I want to separate from okay and good. And now I want to get even deeper. I want to do another wave. What else feels like clutter? What's the good versus the great? So I'm gradually refining, gradually editing. And it does get harder because the more detailed you get, so to speak, on decluttering, the more you're facing these more sentimental items, these items that you think are valuable, or maybe you'll need it one day. By the way, I have an episode on if I need it one day, that's episode 90. And you're also starting to look at the identity clutter items. You're starting to face those parts of yourself that you just haven't really taken the time to face before. As a side note, I always encourage people to just start decluttering with that low-hanging fruit. Because decluttering is a routine, it's a muscle you build skill in over time. It's a routine you start making, it's a habit you start making. So if you can just run through your house and take care of that low-hanging fruit, this is broken. This is definitely a no. I think that is just such a great first step. But I want to talk about how to face your identity clutter, how to consider what the hurdles are in decluttering it. And at the end, make sure you stop by the show notes and grab a download. I'm going to add a download to this episode. I've listed these four types of identity clutter and questions for each type that will help you learn from that clutter and decide what you want to do and how to move on with that clutter. So let's talk about the past self-clutter, the items we have for who we used to be. The most common one I hear is looking in our closets. We see clothes for a job we used to have, a career we used to have, a different body size we were. And I know having kids meant that my own wardrobe had four different sizes in it at one point. Or there might be items you have for a hobby you don't do anymore. These items, looking at these items and thinking of, yeah, that used to be me. I used to use this thing. I used to wear this thing. I used to turn to this thing. Those are hard to let go of because we are closing that chapter. And especially if you're stepping into a new identity, if you've left a job, if you're retired, if you've had kids and now you're at home, whatever, if you're going back to work, stepping into that new identity, it might feel shaky. It might feel kind of like walking into an empty space. I know that's really how I felt when I decided to stay home with my kids. And maybe even if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we're angry about where we are right now. Maybe we're mad. We don't fit these clothes anymore. Or we're mourning that we can't use these things anymore for whatever reason. So there is a sense of loss somehow. And if we aren't too clear on the self we're stepping into, the self we want to be now, that sense of loss can feel really scary instead of like possibilities and renewal, what it actually could be. The next type of identity clutter, that aspirational clutter, who we wish we could be. And aspirational clutter is actually a term that's been coined for a while now, but I really like the language around it, so I want to lump it into identity clutter. A very common type of aspirational clutter are books, books we plan to read. When we decide that now's the day we read the Greek classics, when we decide that we're going to get back your chickens, when we decide now we're going to learn sign language, and guys, these are the books on my bookshelf. (laughs) When we decide that we're going to be this person, but I noticed it's also in supplies for projects in clothes, even in even in my actual clutter where I'm holding on to types of clutter that I plan to recycle rather than throw in the trash because I aspire to be someone who's eco-conscious. So my identity clutter is actual clutter. 
And I think this is a trickier one because we often just project this clutter onto our future self. Like our future self will have time for this. They'll make space for it. They'll have motivation for this. We don't treat it like a now problem, which it is. We just store it for the future. But I always say to my clients, your future self will have what you give them right now today. So if you want your future self to be using that item and you don't want it to be considered clutter, then you need to take an action today. Like, you know, today metaphorically, like very soon. (laughs) Don't just keep storing it. The other part of aspirational clutter is the idea that we actually need to challenge this notion we have of our ideal selves, our ideal selves, what we're going to be doing in our day, what's our ideal day. A lot of this is built up by default without much thought about what we really want our lives to look like. I think we all know the Pinterest template on what our ideal selves should be doing from that morning routine to that morning exercise to the shakes for pre-lunch to the, you know, the whole night routine. Like there is a template that we've naturally adopted on what we think our ideal self should be. But we have to ask ourselves if that's actually what we really want our lives to look like and what comes out as the top priorities for us at the end of the day isn't going to be the same template that works for everyone else. And I have works in air quotes, (laughs) (laughs) P.S. And I tell you, if subconsciously deep down you are trying to shove yourself into a mold of an ideal self that you actually don't want, you will consciously never get there and you'll hold up your real self and your ideal self and you will constantly feel tension and frustration and shame that you aren't that ideal person yet, but you actually don't even really want it. (laughs) It is so defeating and you can let that go. The third type of identity clutter is the clutter of who others think we should be, that socially compliant self. This is the type of clutter that's often given to us, handed down from family and friends of hobbies and things they think we should be doing or ways we should be parenting. And this type of identity clutter is just like personal values. We've just adopted it from those around us, but we haven't really challenged to see if it's what we want. So maybe you grew up in a home where all of the women were great bakers or tea drinkers or all of the women were downhill skiers. Maybe you have all of this stuff to be what you've been raised to be. So this type of clutter can be hard to get rid of because it might feel like we are disrespecting or dishonoring that culture that we grew up in. Another hurdle with this type of clutter is that it might also mean that we need to relearn how we want to redefine the roles that we find ourselves in. Like, what do we want to be as a mom? What kind of role do we want to play as a mom or a wife or a woman? Because maybe we don't want to be the mom who sews. Maybe we don't want to be the mom who decorates for every holiday. It leaves us in this unknown spot where we're saying, well, what do I want to be like? What do I want this to look like? And those answers are always going to be coming from us, from within. So that is a process that we need to go through to start, I don't know, even just trying on different things to see what we want it to look like, what we want this role in our lives to look like, whether we are being an aunt or a mom or a wife or an employee or a sister that we need to start tuning into us. And let's wrap up with that final type of clutter The type of clutter I call, it's like our test self. It's maybe we think we are, but we aren't sure, but we're just kind of following this trend to try it on. And I think this clutter is most apparent in things like our clothes, our shoes, our decor. 
And I think it can be hard to let go of because it might feel a little bit like we're letting go of a sense of status or a sense of security, of fitting in, of being part of that that communal um, atmosphere or communal brand, whatever we're identifying with. And on the other hand, I think it's also easy to let go of this clutter because the trend comes and it goes. (laughs) And if that trend is out, well, we're probably just going to shove that item down into the back of our closet or into our basement. And I would go back to the shopping episode that was a few episodes ago about just the motivation behind why we bring these items in. I think that's the most important thing that you can pay attention to, to these things that you're buying to keep up with the trends or to test something out, is to really tune into your motivation why and ask if you like that. So I do have a little worksheet for you. I have some questions that are going to walk you through each of these types of clutter and I would encourage you to print it off, walk around your home and pick one spot, one single spot. Don't (laughs) don't be an overachiever. Just like take a walk with me. Let's do small things together. So look at like your bathroom cupboards or a kitchen pantry or the carport or a closet and ask yourself, what kind of identity clutter do I see? Of course, there's might be a mix, but just pick one item that you know, like, okay, this represents this type of identity clutter. And I have the mindful questions for each of those types of clutter that I want you to use. I want you to ask yourself them. I want you to challenge yourself. I want you to learn from this because if decluttering my home has taught me nothing, it's taught me that all of this is valuable if you're paying attention. Everything you do in life offers you something if you're paying attention to it and paying attention to what I had brought into my home, why I had brought it in there, how it was making me feel, what I wanted to do about it and how I was going to do that. All of that was such a growing experience, but you can start small. You can start with just one thing and I encourage you to do that. Let's wrap up with a simple pleasure. And this is a very fall inspired simple pleasure because I pull this out every fall. And this is a heated shawl or like a bigger type of heating pad. I got one with points a few years ago, many years ago, actually. And it just follows me around the house once fall comes. I put it on my bed at night to heat it up. I wrap it around my feet almost every day because apparently my feet have just forfeited their interest in circulation and they're just cold stubs every day. Guys, 39 is fun. (laughs) I legit wore a blanket and mitts to an indoor volleyball game today. (laughs) This is who I am now. I would take my heated shawl if I could sit near an outlet. The heated shawl also comes out when I have a migraine, when one of the kids are sick or just wants that comfort. And, you know, I think this is a good way to test to see if something has real value in your life. If that heated shawl died today, I would go out tomorrow and replace it. So this is something that is truly a pleasure in my life. I'm going to link to the one that I have in the show notes. And if you are a cold old lady like me, (laughs) check it out. All right, friends, have a great week. It's been a pleasure. 